Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Gilberto Valley, otherwise known as the cannibal cop? So I'll start with the background of Gilberto Valley, move to the timeline of the crime, and then I'll offer my analysis. Gilberto Valley was born in Queens, New York, on April 14, 1984, he graduated high school and then went to the University of Maryland, where, in 2006, he would earn a bachelor's degree in psychology. That same year, he would become a New York City police officer. He met a woman named Kathleen Mangan on the dating website OKCupid in 2009. They would get married in 2012 and have a daughter. Valley had no history of criminal behavior. After finishing his shifts as a police officer, he will go online and post on a forum that was dedicated to sexual fetishes. Specifically, he communicated with individuals who shared his interest in murdering, torturing, cannibalizing, and sexually assaulting women. Valley's wife thought that he was having an affair. She was able to look at his computer one time when he forgot to log off and noticed some content that was worrisome. She couldn't get a perfectly clear idea of what he was doing, so she put spyware on the computer. I found this to be a little unusual. Is this really the best first step when one spouse has concerns about another? For example, people may want to talk, like communicate before installing spyware. It's like reacting to a hornet's nest in a backyard shed by bringing out the flamethrower. There might be intermediate steps to remedy the situation without going to extremes. But either way, that's what she did. She found his communications and a number of images using the spyware. Some of the posts he made indicated he wanted to cook and eat her. According to Valley, initially, his wife wanted to work things out, but instead she contacted the FBI, who made a copy of the computer's hard drive. Sometimes a husband's undesirable behavior doesn't seem so bad after the wife thinks about it for a while, like if a husband was briefly insensitive or said something impolite. She may think about it and say, I can see his point of view. Fantasies about cooking and eating a wife do not fall into that category. The longer a person thinks about it, the more disturbing it gets, right? So it has kind of a negative trajectory. The FBI arrested Valley, and he was charged with conspiracy to commit kidnapping, and he was charged for accessing criminal information in a way that exceeded his authority. There were five alleged victims, his wife, one of her co-workers, two college friends of Valley, and a woman who graduated from his high school, who he never met. The case went to a jury trial. The prosecution said that Valley demonstrated an intent to commit kidnapping because he described all these terrible things he wanted to do to women. He took this action on this one particular form. 
His name on that form was Girl Meat Hunter. So I guess subtlety was not one of his strong suits. His screen name might as well have been Aspiring Inmate. In his different posts on the form, in his communication, Valley was specific. He used the actual names and images of women he knew. He found the images on Facebook. Valley met with one of his college classmates during the time he was posting in the form describing how he wanted to murder and eat her. The government acknowledged that the majority of people that Valley communicated with on the forum were not co-conspirators. He had communicated with 24 altogether. The only real difference between the contacts the government thought of as criminal and the ones they thought were not was specificity, the use of real names, locations, and situations. The government said that only three of the 24 individuals with whom Valley communicated were co-conspirators, a man from New Jersey, a man from India or Pakistan, and a man from England. There was a lot of detail in these communications. In one instance, when he was communicating with the man from New Jersey, Valley offered to kidnap a friend of his wife and sell her to the man for $5,000. The man responded and said he could do $4,000. Valley said, this is very risky and will ruin my life if I get caught. I really need the money. I can't take under $5,000. The defense said that this was all a fantasy. It was role-playing. None of it was real. On the forum, Valley's profile page stated, I like to press the envelope, but no matter what I say, it is fantasy. I think he meant push the envelope, but either way, he was trying to express that he could do whatever he wanted in terms of communication, but it was contained to the realm of fantasy. The defense acknowledged that Valley used real names, real pictures, and developed incredibly detailed plans along with other people but he never took any other actions in real life to further the criminal plans. Sometimes there were months between communications. It hardly seems like the effort of someone who is actively engaged in a criminal conspiracy. All of the communication was restricted to the form. There were no letters, telephone calls, in-person meetings, anything like that. The men never exchanged accurate personal information about their identities or where they lived, Valley actually lied to the men regarding just about every aspect of his life. For example, he said he lived in Pennsylvania. He lied about his job, his family, his age. The alleged co-conspirators communicated with Valley, but none of them communicated with each other. They didn't know that the other men existed. The men actually requested specific information about the women, like their last names and addresses. Valley never supplied that information. Even though they used specific dates, when planning to kidnap victims, those dates came and went, and nobody was kidnapped. The jury convicted Valley of both charges in March of 2013. In prison, he worked as a cook, proving that prison officials do have a sense of humor. I think that making him a cook was an effort to get the prisoners to eat less. Like if a prisoner was handed a tray of food by Valley, they would say, you know what, um, okay, you just keep that. Valley appealed his conviction, and the Conspiracy to commit kidnapping was overturned in June of 2014. The court agreed with the defense. Valley was engaging in a fantasy role play only, which was not a crime. It was protected free speech. The charge relating to exceeding his access to that criminal database was not overturned. He was sentenced to time served for that crime. He had been in prison for 21 months, and he was released. The government appealed the decision, and in December of 2015, 
the acquittal of the conspiracy charge was upheld, and Valley's conviction for exceeding his access to that database was overturned as well. The court said that Valley did not commit a crime because he was authorized to access the database, even if his use was improper. The result of the appeals was that the government lost everything. They lost both charges. So, at this point, Valley has no criminal convictions. At the time of making this video, the government is appealing to the United States Supreme Court. Valley has tried to move on with his life. He writes extreme horror novels and works in construction. I like the use of the word extreme there. When somebody's reading horror, do they really think to themselves, does this come in an extreme version? A well-known mental health professional named Dr. Park Dietz was hired by Valley's defense team. He evaluated Valley and suggested that Valley is not dangerous. His fantasies were cartoonish. He said that Valley indicated a movie named The Mask, starring Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz, is what served as a catalyst for the unusual interests. There was a scene where Cameron Diaz was tied up that apparently really stayed with Valley. Valley was not successful in romantic interactions when he was young. He was a virgin until age 25. So we get this idea that Valley had difficulty relating to women. If he thought that he had trouble in romantic relationships before, he should brace for some real problems now that all this stuff about the sexual cannibalism is out there. To say that is going to slightly restrict his romantic prospects is like saying the thermostat in hell is set slightly too high. So was Gilberto Valley guilty? Even though the court ruled that Valley was not guilty, there are a lot of opinions on this matter. For example, Valley sued for a wrongful conviction and was unsuccessful. He did not have true innocence, rather he was technically not guilty. Those are not the same constructs. There are two types of guilt to consider with this question, was he guilty, legal and actual. On the legal side, was he guilty beyond a reasonable doubt? The issue before the court was not about his morality. It was not about how disturbing his desires were. It was about whether he intended to commit kidnapping. On the actual guilt side, did he intend to act on any of these discussions with the other men, even if it could not be proven beyond a reasonable doubt? One thing I find interesting about this case is really how it is on the line between legal and illegal in the minds of many people. If what he did was truly legal, it was barely legal, and if it was not legal, it was barely not legal. Again, it sits right on the line. Here are my thoughts on this. The position of the government seems to be that if Valley did not use specific names and places, he would not have been charged, even if he had still made these communications that look like he was planning to commit crimes. If he was just speaking in general terms, like he was saying he was going to do this to somebody, but not saying who, when, where, or how, then he would have been, again, in a situation where he's not charged. Proving intent would be too difficult. It doesn't mean that he was not intending it, but, again, proving it would be too difficult. Furthermore, he could have avoided charges if he used specific names, but never communicated his plans to other people. This again was about conspiracy, planning with another person to commit a crime. For example, he could have written a book where he described all of his desires featuring people who existed. Again, it doesn't speak to intent. He could still have intended it, but he would never have been discovered and therefore never have been arrested. Furthermore, that looks like protected free speech. He's just writing it down. 
He's not trying to organize anything to commit a crime. This case is really about the combination of describing what appear to be specific criminal plans and communicating these plans with others. The key part of this case really comes down to intent. Considering that he said in his profile that this was all fantasy, he lied to the alleged co-conspirators, and he never took steps in furtherance of his criminal plans, I can see a good argument here that he is not guilty. The problem would be that he searched for chloroform and looked up victim information using his police access. His defense argued that this was really just part of the fantasy. This wasn't truly a separate act that was meant to add to his communications on that forum. The prosecution argued that this proved intent. He did take actions outside of the forum. In weighing all these factors, this case, as I mentioned, is right on the line. But I would have to err on the side of the rights of the individual. I think that there was reasonable doubt that he was actually going to carry out a kidnapping. How about true guilt, separate of the standard of reasonable doubt? Was there criminal intent? This is a little less clear. Valley had a lot of time on the forum, a lot of communication, and nothing came of it. He never collected any weapons, other materials that he would need. This was all about manipulating data, getting data from the police database, collecting data from his real-life experiences. If I had to guess, I would say that he probably would not have ever actually followed through. But here's the problem. What he was talking about was so disturbing that even if there was a small chance he would follow through, society should be alarmed. I can understand why the potential victims would be frightened of him. I think their fear is justified, even if I believe that he probably would not have churned his plans into reality. Something else to consider, even if he did not have intent, if one of the people that he was chatting with followed through on the fantasy, Valley would have been in real trouble. I think he was really just playing with fire. His fantasies were so dangerous, so offensive, that even pretending to plan a crime involving those fantasies was not wise. So what could have happened in a case like this? What leads somebody to do something like this? Because these fantasies are so far removed from the daily activities of life, keeping them alive is difficult. This was not building a fantasy on something like sex, which is relatively common for many people, but rather building a fantasy on cannibalism and torture. Those are not very common. In order to make the fantasy exciting and real, someone in that situation is tempted to bolster their fantasy, to reinforce their fantasy with information from their environment, from potential victims who they are attracted to in real life. If Valley had been more creative, like not using people's real names, he never would have been arrested. In a video I made about the Army Hammer scandal, I talked about vorophilia, sexual cannibalism. This paraphilia is about complete domination. There is no pretense of a two-way relationship. Many people who are involved in unusual sexual behavior, like BDSM, for example, imagine themselves in some type of relationship. They are perhaps being sadistic and dominant, but they're not really fantasizing about murder. So the idea of a two-way relationship is somewhat preserved. So both people play an active part in the role play. With the types of cannibalistic fantasies that Valley described, it's just domination with no relational component. Very primitive and unsophisticated. For somebody with those fantasies to pretend that they care about the victim 
is like a lion pretending to care about a gazelle. It's an extreme level of sadism, and there is no legal way to fulfill those fantasies. These types of fantasies are not healthy for the person having them, and of course they're not healthy for the victim, mostly because of the part where they get eaten. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.